So tell me why Why am I such a freak You're out of your mind Who the fuck are you to judge me Then I told you I'd be different Then I told you I was wild You're stuck in denial Yeah, I think that maybe you're the freak This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hi, what's good? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. This is Uber Stories Part 22. Good to have you in. I handed out a lot of cards this last week to new writers and potentially new listeners. So if you're joining us for the first time ever, my friends, welcome. Welcome in. It's so good to have you here. Follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at BennyTomp18. The show page is on Facebook at Real Talk WBennyT. And please, if you like this episode and you go back and you listen to some of the other ones, leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps. It takes two seconds, and I really appreciate that. So please help a brother out, all right? Stories this week include tweakers. This was absolutely insane. Some of you might have been scared if you were me. Uh, I'll tell you why I wasn't. And um, this is just, this is absolutely the most batshit story I've ever been a part of. So, tweakers, that's how we're going to start. It's, it's, it's kind of a long one, uh, but it's, 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 it just keeps, I mean, you'll see. Uh, after that, let's stay together. This was a really good story about the hardest thing that a married couple has ever had to overcome. They were married 34 years. Some big event happened. They didn't know if they were going to make it, but they did. After that, key to life. This is a story about uh, a guy who told me what the key to life was, and it's a really good one. America's backbone, and finally, how we met. This is a story about a lesbian couple and how they met, and it's not just a, oh, well, we were like uh, both reached for the same cup of coffee. This is, this is a pretty funny one. This is, this is a good story. It's a feel-good story, but it's also kind of savage, and I, and I love that, and I love that. So that's how we'll end. I had a really great week. I did 44 rides this week, and I probably handed out about 30 business cards with the show information on it. So like I said, if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. Um, but yeah, it was a really good week, and I did do Sunday service, so that's something that I've been doing more of, driving people on Sunday, and this Sunday, or last Sunday, I should say, was Super Bowl Sunday service, so before and after. Um, I was two rides short of an incentive, so I left in the third quarter to knock them out because the game was such a fucking blowout, and I'm, you know what, I, I'm not even mad about it. Tom Brady won another championship. That's what I wanted to see. So I don't care if it's a close game or a blowout. The end result that I wanted and wanted to see happened. So the fact that I had to, I, I, I was just like, I had to do these two rides. I was probably going to have to do it after the Super Bowl anyways. But since it was such a blowout, I just left in the third quarter. And I was like, well, fuck it. Like, I'm going to go and knock these rides out because this game is over. Tom Brady's going to win. And, uh, so that was cool. So, uh, you know, before the Super Bowl, I kind of had talked to some people about it. But then afterwards, I, I did those two rides. And then, you know, one of the guys was watching the Super Bowl um, on his phone, you know. So and we were kind of talking about 
bets and gambling. And then um, the other one was a guy as well, and they were both going home from Super Bowl parties. So then I got to talk a little bit about the game, and it was kind of like sports, you know what I mean? Hashtag sports. So um, that was cool. That was cool. Uh, Last week, I also had a repeat rider. So this is only the third time ever that this has happened where I've had somebody that I've already had before. And it was funny because as soon as we got in the car and as soon as he got in the car and we started talking, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I remember who this person is. Like, I remember you. Like, what's up, dude? And it was literally like seeing an old friend again. And I was like, hey, how you been? You know, and and I remembered what we talked about, you know, so I followed up on some of the stuff that we had talked about. And and that was cool, you know, and that's going to happen more as I continue to drive. And, and, you know, it's it's a it's a smaller city than you think. Right. And you got to think the people who are taking Ubers and Lyft all the time probably a good chance you're going to run into the same driver. So it's only happened like two times before that though, but it happened this past week and it was like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, that, so that was kind of funny. I had some wild shit go down this week. First of all, the most insane trip that I've ever done. This takes the cake. And months ago, I introduced something called the Holy Fuck Power Rankings. We now have a new number one. This is number one, and this is the story tweakers, and this is going to be the first story that I open up with, so uh, I've got that for you in just a couple minutes, but that was fucking wild, dude. And then on Sunday, I also got a text from a writer as I'm on the way to them, and the text says, please hurry as I'm on oxygen and running low on my tank. Uh, oh, oh my God, like, oh my God, like, the, whoa, that was... uh. Yeah, I was not expecting that, and and she was really struggling, um, you know, to walk, and she she had some groceries, so I helped her into her apartment, and and I helped her with the groceries. <laughs> this is the shit that I, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it. Fuck yeah, you know, I'm a stand up guy. I'm a stand up guy. All right. So, uh, and then I was talking to a dude that I was taking to a Super Bowl watch party. So this is before the Super Bowl. This is pretty nuts. And uh, he told me that he was a Bills fan and that he was from Buffalo and he had just moved down here like like a few months ago or whatever. And he said that uh, he didn't want Tom to win because of the way that the last 20 years had gone, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. And um, then it came up, you know, I told him I, I host a podcast and he was like, oh, well, let me show you something and maybe I'll be on it. And uh, he showed me a video of him jumping over this huge bonfire. This thing was fucking massive, okay? And he slips on a rock right before he jumps, and it's right before the base of the fire. So he slips on this rock, and he straight up falls into the fire. And he's like, gets up real fast. He's running. He's on fire. (laughs) And uh, he showed me the scar that was on the leg. And the best part about this is that he's from Buffalo. So he was legitimately Bill's mafia. And he shows me this video of him doing some reckless shit. And of course, something's on fire. And I was just like, oh, because of course he did. He's Bill's mafia. Y'all motherfuckers are crazy. So that was pretty insane. Um, I also got a handful of really, like the best compliments that I could ever possibly hope to get. Which one, um, I picked up a yoga instructor and she told me, you have really great energy. 
And coming from a yogi, I was like, yo, coming from a yogi, that's that's amazing. That's awesome. Like, thank you. Like, you're you're somebody that would know, right? She's like, yeah. And I was like, awesome. I fucking, that's, that's great. Like, yeah. So now, you know, I walked around and uh, I'm like, you know, I don't have health insurance, but uh, a yoga instructor told me that I have great energy. So I got that going for me. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and then... Uh, I had somebody that that said, you know, I'm usually super antisocial, but I feel really comfortable talking to you, and and that's that's amazing. I love that I can elicit that response from somebody. And then I also got another compliment on the app that said, uh, Benjamin is awesome. I would ride Uber every day just to talk to him. Also, his car is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, imagine like. Imagine in like a year from now or two years from now, what if someone like literally tries to be like, I have a story, I want to try to get on the show, so they sit there and order Ubers just trying to get me. Like, do you think it ever gets to that point? I, I think I think it could. Like, I definitely think somebody is, is like capable of doing that if they wanted to be on the show that bad. Now, you could always also send me your Uber stories. If you have a good Uber story about either a weird driver or something crazy that happened, a car accident that you guys got in, or something that the Uber driver was telling you, like you, I know, have your own crazy Uber stories. So please email them to me, bennytomp18 at yahoo.com. I will, bennytomp18 at gmail.com. I will read those stories on air and, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm sure that there's some good content just waiting to be tapped into out there. So send me that shit, and and I'll and I'll read those stories on air. Also, be sure to follow along across all social media. Subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're curious about the music that I use on this show, on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, if you look up Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, I keep a running list. And uh, a playlist of all of the songs that I listen to on here. I'm also working on making my playlists public for people, so that uh, you know all the playlists that I have and play in the car, all my Uber bangers and and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm working on making those playlists as well for you guys. So, but uh, if you're curious about the music, you like the song that we came into today. I love that whistle, dude, and, and it's a Vici. I mean, it's just a fucking legendary. But like that whistle was something that they used. He used that from this old Japanese song, uh, like from the '50s, and then was like, "This is what's gonna complete the song." And it, uh, I love that part. I love that little bridge. So. Yeah, man, it's all there. Real Talk with Ben Tompkins, just like the show. It's on Apple Music and on Spotify, so download those, and uh, then you can listen to what the cool kids are listening to, all right? All right, guys, let's get into these. It's story time. Tweakers. This one was absolutely insane. I pull up to this house, pull up in the driveway. I'm waiting there for a minute, and then this girl walks out, and she's carrying some stuff. She's got a couple bags, what looks like a giant lawn chair. So I pop the trunk, and she puts her stuff in there, opens up the door. I say, hey. She says, hey, let me go get this dude. So she runs in the house. She's telling this guy to hurry up. Another minute goes by. She comes out, hustles over to the car and gets in. She's like, he's coming, he's coming. Another minute goes by, and then all of a sudden, I see this door swing open, and here comes this dude. He takes a step out of the door, 
and he stops on this little concrete step that they've got, you know, the little concrete, it's not really a porch, it's just like a little concrete platform with like two or three steps, and he stops on this thing after he steps out of the door, almost as if he's surveying the scene. He pulls up his jeans, which are sagging so low that if he tried to take a step without pulling them up, they probably would have fallen to his ankles. And as he's doing this, he simultaneously throws his head to the left and to the right, as if he's saying, what's up? Who won it? What's up? So <laughs> I'm in my head thinking, wow, what a fucking character, man. Now, at this point in the day, I had been driving for like four or five hours, and I talk about this all the time. When I really need some juice and I need to dig deep, I'll throw on rap music. That is what gives me energy, and uh, at this point, I've got free smoke playing. And, you know, like I said, I, I had had my soul playlist going. This is on Sunday. But now I'm six rides away from hitting this incentive, this ride incentive. So I had switched over from the soul playlist. And I'm now in my Another Day in the Trenches playlist. All of this music can be found on Apple Music. Benny Tomp 18 on Apple Music. You can see all of the playlists that I have, all the music that I listen to with writers. And uh, all of the show music as well. There's a playlist called Real Talk with Ben Tompkins on there. So all the music that I use on the show, it's all there. But uh, yeah, I needed some juice. That's my go-to. So he hops in. He's like, damn, I like this. What kind of car is this? Yeah, this is nice. I'm like, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? I throw it in reverse. And as I'm pulling out of this house's driveway, that door pops open again and there's some other dude rocking a, a little hoodie jacket who pokes his head and shoulders out. And he looks like a little gopher. And he's just like looking around for a few seconds. And then he shuts the door real fast. But I don't, I, you know, I'm, I don't think anything of it. I'm just like, oh, there's somebody else. <laughs> okay. Uh, so free smoke's going in the background. We got 25 minutes to the spot that they're going to. I ask, how y'all doing? Good, good, good. Well, then they start talking amongst themselves. And really, he's saying stuff, and she's just kind of throwing in a, yeah, yeah, every now and then. But she's like out of breath and breathing really uneasily. And he starts in incoherently, like he's like picking back up of a conversation that they were having before they got in the car. And he says, I can't believe they do little Nico like that. I think the orange jumpsuit thingamajig gives it a, hey, I'm going to work. Leave me alone. Not thinking anything else. And she says, yeah. Like, excuse me, sir, we're AT&T. Did you order Bell Cell service today? Oh, thanks for opening your door, though. Whack! Oh, we, we should probably stop talking out loud, huh? Oh, I should, for sure. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. All right. So I say, I'll snitch. <laughs> cool, man. That's what's up. That's what's up. What happened? Somebody robbed my best friend, dog. Did him real dirty in front of some people. Tried to embarrass him. Do all kind of dumb shit, man. So I'm going to go handle it real quick. How come? I honestly don't know, man. He just said, hey, man, I need you to come through and have my back. And he's been my best friend for like 32 years now. So I don't ask a whole lot of questions when he asks. I don't even know what the play is right now. I don't even know what we're doing. And he's saying this as he's rocking back and forth sitting up in the seat, talking to me, and then sitting back. He's very anxious, like he's on edge, okay? And she's just talking while he's finishing that sentence, and none of her words really make sense until she says, I'm going to call him right now. 
you know, she was saying stuff. She's like off in her own little world. She's like breathing kind of un, you know, like uneasily. And then she's talking, but it's like gibberish. And, and then I make out that last sentence. I'm going to call him right now. So then she's calling him and he says, tell him we're on the way. And I asked him another question following up to, uh, you know, the robbery. I said, did they put a gun to him? He said, you know what? He had his hand full of some stuff and they hit him with it. And then she said, no, like they live in the same place. And then in unison, they both say, hey. And now their friend who they were calling is on speakerphone. And Free Smoke comes to an end. And Burn by Meek Mill starts playing gently in the background. As gently as Burn by Meek Mill can play. All right? And so he says, hey, we're on our way to you, fam. And he's saying stuff. They're both rambling into the phone. And he says we're in the Uber like six times in a row. He's like, we in Uber. We in Uber, fam. And she says, we're just headed to the street. And he's like, I'll know it when I see it. Be there in about 20 minutes or so. Hey, what are we doing to this dude, man? What's up? And the guy says something. And I couldn't tell what he said. And then he goes, all right, that's what's up. So bottom line, don't do nothing to you say, right? All right, I got you. Love you, boy. See you in a minute. And then she says, love you, Nico. Again, not not his real name. No real names. That's that shit I won't write, all right, ever. So they hop off the phone, and then he rolls down the curtains in the back. You know, I've got those kind of like uh, Maybach curtains. It's not a Maybach, but it's uh, they're, they're like curtains that uh, cover the windows in the back and the rear view, or not the rear view, the, the rear window back there. So it's nice, you know. I don't let too much sun get in on my riders, and... Uh, you can't even tell that anybody's sitting back there because of the window tent and then those black curtains. It's pretty sick. And he's like, oh, shit, that's cool, babe. Look at this. The sunscreen rolls down independently of the window. Oh, yeah, got them curtains, I said. Wow, that's some OG pimp daddy shit right there. Like, excuse me, shoop. And then she says, what does this do? And she's playing with the monitor in the back. Do you know that song, On One? And he goes, oh, yeah, we got the thing right here. What do you mean? And uh, I said, it's not touch. He, and she said, yeah, I kept trying it. I was like, yeah, I can put it on, though. Are you talking about I'm on one with Wayne and Drake, right? And he goes, yes. Would you mind terribly, dog? That's like my theme song a little bit. I said, hey, you got to get hyped up for what you're about to walk up on. He said, and I just got the girl, man. You know this girl right here? This is one of my best friends for a long time. And I had to buck up and take her from somebody the other day, buddy. I said, <laughs> I feel that. Now, at this point, I pulled up. I'm on one. And I play it. And I said, you want me to bang it? He said, please. I said, this shit knocks, too, because the bass in that car, it's pretty banging. So then he starts singing it. I'm getting so thawed. I ain't with this all since I was 18. And this is the loudest I've ever played music with a rider in the car. Like, we are fucking bumping. And he's singing, and I'm singing a little bit lower than him because, look, my man asked me to put this song on. I don't want to steal his shine, but I'm singing because the it's, it's that loud that I can sing and he's not going to hear me, okay? And so uh, <laughs> we're rolling down the street, and she's saying something to him. She's yelling so that he can hear her. And we're riding down the street, and uh, then Rick Ross's verse comes on after Drake. He drops two bars, and then my dude's like, what's your name, man? And so I turn the music down. I say, Ben. 
I turn the music down, but it's still louder than I usually keep it when I have other riders in the car. Like, usually I keep it, whatever I'm listening to, I keep it to a three when I'm riding and talking to people. Very low. And if we're not talking, then I'll put it up to five, um, maybe six, but never above that. And I probably had it like 23, 24 when we were bumping. And now it's still up to like 10. So it's still louder than I keep it when I have riders in the car. And he's like, Ben, okay, nice to meet you, man. What do you do for a living if you don't mind me asking? I host a podcast. No way. I want to do that so bad. That's cool as fuck. Do you make money doing that? She says. Yeah, well, I was. I got to find another sponsor. I had been doing sports radio, then COVID hit, and sports got canceled. So I was like, well, fuck. There's not even any sports to talk about. And she says, are they coming back? And her question threw me for a minute because I was like, uh, yeah, like they're they're playing sports right now. And uh, he said, e, uh, hey, when Wayne kicks back in for a second... I'm going to need this. This is my verse right here, so just give me one second. I go, bet, bet. So I slide it back up to 20-something, and this dude starts singing. I walk around the club, and I swear, all three of us said real loud, in unison, fuck everybody. And I threw up my middle finger, and man, thank God I was wearing a mask, because I was smiling so fucking hard, trying not to laugh, just along for the ride, man. I'm like, yo, these two are just like on one. We on one right now. So I'm gonna just get it with them and drop them off. And it's like voyeurism for me, right? It's like I'm I'm enjoying this moment with them and then they're gonna get out and then I'm gonna be on to the next thing and I can just enjoy little moments at a time, right? And I'm just smiling because just thinking about karaoke in my car with strangers you know like and and we're just that's just what we're doing you know it it was just I don't know it was fucking surreal so he spits the verse word for word and again I'm singing but I'm not singing louder than him I'm just kind of singing to myself he's singing to everybody in the car and I don't want to steal my man's spotlight right so the song hits the outro and it's fading out and I say hey you want another one he goes yeah you got a good one uh, hold up, hold up. He goes, yeah. And I, I go, let's bang, let's bang. And I played Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye. And you know, after that bass kick, after Jeezy opens that song, the very first one, that's some OD shit, dude. I swear to God. So that plays for a minute. And then she randomly asks, so how'd you start your podcast? And I turned down the music because I, I kind of heard podcast at the end. So I turned the music down and uh, I said, what was that? And she said, how did you start your podcast? So then I went into the elevator pitch. I was doing sports radio and then I started driving for Uber part-time, told a few stories on air. People kept calling and texting and saying we want more Uber stories. And so now I just make the podcast about all the people that I meet and the shit that we talk about. And... I know already that in the back of their minds, they're probably like, wow, we just told this dude we were about to go fuck somebody up. So she starts to say something and her voice is raised a little bit. Like she's like there's alarm in her voice. And I knew that I needed to take this moment and I just straight up talk over her because this was important and I needed both of them to hear what I was saying and believe me. So I say, but, 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 but listen, listen. It's all 100% anonymous, 
I don't share anybody's names, where they work, and what you guys shared with me. Like, this story will definitely be on next week because I'm going to be like, yo, I was taking these people. She says, they were awesome. I said, yeah, they were awesome. They were about to fuck this dude up. But I swear to Christ, I will not share y'all's names or anything. He says, I could care less, bruh. I'm high. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't illegal to be high. What's good? I'm having a good time. I say, I never judge. I never judge. Smoke weed or anything, bruh? I said, yeah, a little bit. And to be honest, that that's almost a lie at this point. I don't smoke only when I'm maybe at a music festival and I'm drinking. And I could probably count on one hand the number of times I smoked in the last year. I just haven't been doing that kind of stuff lately. But, um, you know, uh, every once in a while, sure, why not? So he said, man, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I ain't really mean to say that. I said, oh, you're good, dude. And then she says, what are you doing driving there next to us? And I look over and, and we had just come to a stop at the light and then started going. And she said that to the car next to us. And he goes, that guy done sped up when we slowed down. They was trying to challenge us. I said, ah, fuck them. She goes, PTSD. He goes, yeah, I got Jason Statham in my blood. I got Jason Statham disease. I be trying to race him. And then she says something to him, and again, I could barely understand what she was saying to him, but he spoke her language. So he says, ah, I'm not trying to come in and not trying to say nothing to him because he's going to know instantly, and I'm not trying to hear him. 38 years old, man, he's definitely going to see me and be like, man, you are high as fuck and hang up on me. I said, what'd y'all smoke? Nah, we got our stimulus check, so we got to go cash, man. She don't have her ID. We're trying to figure out how... uh." Oh, oh, yeah, we smoke, we smoke, yeah, we do it all, bruh. Yeah, you said you were high, I'm just curious on what. Oh, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, go-go's, pick-me-ups, you know, meth? Yeah, <sighs> I don't like to call it that. I said, I mean, he goes, yeah, it is what it is, Th- yeah, it is what it is, that and weed, man. So, let's just take a step back here for a second, Okay. I'm driving these people who are about to, at the very least, confront this person who robbed this dude's friend. And at the most, I don't know. They just told me that they're high on meth, so they're liable to do anything. So one part of my brain is having that conversation, and somewhere else in my brain, I'm having another conversation going, oh, ah, okay, totally makes sense. This whole time, their energy's been erratic chaotic, slightly paranoid, thinking that car was about to race them. He's kind of bouncing around a little bit in his seat. He's been talking gibberish, which I'm realizing now is due to a combination of him clenching his jaw and his words just slurring together. She's breathing abnormally. She can't really sit still either, kind of off in her own world. And I just went, wow, these two are high as fuck. So what do I do? What would you do? Do I panic? Do I fear for my safety? Not at all. I know exactly what I need to do. I know that the most important thing that I need to do in this moment, now that they've just told me that they're high, is to make them feel as comfortable and and as non-judged as possible. The slightest hint of judgment could set these two off into an irrational state of paranoia that could begin silently building behind me and culminate in who the fuck knows? They're on drugs. They're not thinking clearly. 
I know that your brain will convince you of anything when you're on drugs, so the smallest little thing could spook them, and they could flip on me without a moment's notice. That's why what I said next and how I said it was so important. A, again, I'm not judging you guys at all. And I said it very firm and, and with some immediacy in my voice so that they knew I wasn't, I wasn't fucking, you know, out here about to be like, oh, I'm going to call the cops. Oh, my God, I'm going to kick you out of the car. Like, I needed them to chill because at that point, it's, it's my safety in question, right? So I, I take a very direct approach and say, hey, again, I am not judging you guys at all. And he goes, paranoid people, man, you got to understand. I said, I know, I know. She blurts out, you ever taken Adderall? I said, yeah, I've taken Adderall. And then she says, you ever taken Adderall and stayed up three days? It's just like that. Yeah, people, like before Adderall and Ritalin was big, people were just straight taking meth and calling it speed. Because Adderall literally on the prescription says D-amphetamine salt combos. She said, yeah, I was prescribed Adderall for four years before I ever started doing this. Now, on your show, you should definitely be like, so many people are hard on themselves for being out here doing what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? And then they get stuck in it. Like, if you're going to do drugs, don't be miserable about it. And then he goes, own it. She says, do them to be happy, dude. He says, I'm having a good time. I'm cool. And I own my shit. I'm real about it. Like, yeah, I'm high. Whoop me. Ask my people about it. <laughs> I just start laughing because said, yeah, I'm high. Whoop me. Like, <laughs> Like, who want it, you know? And that was the fucking vibe that he walked out of that door with, dude. Like, you can, I swear to God, man, you can tell so much about somebody the way that they they open a door, either to the car or their house or walking out of a door, how they shut a door. Like, you can tell a lot about somebody by the way that they open doors, okay? This is the shit that I pick up on. Little nuances of the job. But when he walked out of that door and he stood there and he was kind of like, you know, pulling at his waist and he's pulling his pants up and he's looking around like, who want it? Like, that's the fucking mentality of this dude. He's like, yeah, I'm high. Whoop me. Like, who want it? You know, I'm like, oh, my God. He said, if you don't like it, whoop me. You don't have to listen to it. I won't be on my bullshit. If you're not on your bullshit, we'll be just fine. And she said, no, really, like, I don't bother anybody. I said, I mean, hey. If what I'm doing doesn't affect you, then fuck off, right? And he goes, even if it does affect you, fuck off. I don't give a fuck. I'm doing what I want to do. I mean, ultimately, I'm not going to do nothing to hurt nobody else unless it's inadvertent. And she said, a lot of people do, though. He said, well, that's called collateral damage, dog. And she goes, no, there is not collateral damage. And he said, there is such a thing as collateral damage. Watch, you about to see collateral damage here in a few minutes. What do you mean? Dude decided that he wanted to rob my best friend. Collateral damage. He shouldn't have known and accepted the fact that he just changed the trajectory of his life. I said, do you have a gun on you? He goes, no, no, I don't. Does he, though? I said. Nah, but I got one stashed by at my people's crib, but I ain't take it. Don't need to, because I know for a fact that dude doesn't have one. She goes, we don't, we don't have to. We don't, we don't have to do all that. And he said, you want to know what my weapons of choice is? I said, sure. And he said, we're going to walk in there with a shovel and an axe that doubles as a freaking, uh, it's more for visual effect. We're going to fuck with dude's mind real tough, though. 
He's dude's roommate, so we're going to walk up in there with a shovel, tarp, duct tape, and a fucking, uh, I have an axe that has, an, on the end of it, instead of the handle, that's like a wooden stake that's like a vampire stake. I said, you got it with you? He goes, it's in the trunk. I, <laughs> I'm sitting here driving, and I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, cool, that's great. I got a trunk full of medieval weapons like I'm William fucking Wallace over here. And now I'm driving down the street thinking about that meme of that dude that's like me listening to songs about selling drugs and killing people on my way to a 9 to 5 regular job. Except this is my job and we're listening to I Remember by the game. And we're really doing this shit. Like this is fucking, is this real life? Like... (laughs) But listen, I'm for the streets, so this is just another day in the office, okay? Or as I like to call it, and as my playlist can attest to this, just another day in the trenches. So he keeps rambling, and he's like, so yeah, it's it's like zombie apocalypse slash vampire murder weapon. And she said, like, tweakers pretty much prepare for zombie land all the time. He said, nah, I got weapons everywhere, dog. Real talk, you know what I mean? I said, how dumb do you have to be to rob your roommate and then think it's going to be cool? like, Or even somebody that you live in the same complex as. Like, you're going to see them again. And he said, right, heroin addicts. I just hope dude has a cool car or something that I'm going to get to drive afterwards. Like, real talk, I don't steal nothing, but I feel like if he costs my people some money, I should be able to get some money back. That's how it goes. Shit's a continuous cycle, bruh. Every day, all day, day one, day two, day three, shit starts getting real interesting on day three. Day four, I have no filter whatsoever, and you cannot stop me from doing anything I want to do, literally. I said, what day are you on right now? Day three? She said, day seven, you're up for another seven. Now, I know you're probably listening to this right now just fucking floored and probably ready for this ride to end, so I'm sure you'll be glad to hear that it's almost over. And as she says that last line, we're pulling onto the street that they had put in. And I'm like, all right, guys, this is Maple Street, right? And do you know which one it is? He's like, nah, but it's a short street. We'll just walk and find it. And at this point, I'm ready for this ride to end. So instead of being like, are you sure? Like, it's no problem. I'm like, all right, cool, guys. Be safe. And as he's getting out, he says, hey, bro, give us your number if we want to come back. You ever work off the books or something? I was like, (laughs) huh. Nah, man, just hit me on Uber. And he was like, I, I, fair enough. So I popped the trunk and they got their stuff out. And I was just trying to get out of there. Now that this thing is done, now I'm like, please, let's get out of this situation. That was cool. I got a good story. But now let me get out of here, right? And and now something is almost like switched in my brain where it's like, I just need to hold on for 60 more seconds, be cool, drive away, that's that. You know what I mean? Now I just want to leave. And and I just, like, I could not fucking believe what was happening. And thinking back on it now, I realized how scary that might sound to you. And I, I know that my mom is probably going to flip the fuck out if she hears this story. But the crazy thing is that I never felt once that I was personally in danger. The same thing with the dude that sat in my front seat with the gunshot wounds in his leg and the rap sheet he was bragging about with the eight armed robberies on it. Even though both of these guys might be involved with criminal activities, we'll say, okay, and knowing what they're capable of or what they've done or do or are planning to do, that doesn't scare me because they're talking to me like we're cool. That's the thing. That's the thing you got to understand is they don't look at me and see other people. I'm taking them where they need to go. 
And most of the time, I'm telling them what they need to hear. And they respect that. They respect that I'm real with them. So no, I don't get scared during a ride like that because I trust my gut. And my gut was telling me the whole time, we're cool. Like, it told me you need to help yourself out by letting them know that you're cool and bringing their guard down so that they're, on, they're like, not low-key kind of, like, suspicious of me and thinking, like, I'm a narc or something, you know what I mean? But everything's going to be all right. And trust me, I, I would know if the vibe was off, and I've had a few rides where my guard is up, and I don't know why, I can't explain it, but the vibe that I'm getting from the person back there... I'm just a little bit more vigilant and ready to defend or attack, whatever the situation calls for, okay? But I know what that feels like, and I know what that uncomfortableness feels like, and that's a totally different feeling from this one. Because again, they're they're speaking to me like they're talking to me like I'm I'm just their homie. You know what I mean? Like they're and and I'm talking to them like like we're cool. Like they're they're looking to me like yeah, he he's 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 cool with us. So yeah, it, it's it's wild. Um, closing thoughts on this one, okay? And closing arguments. Here we go. Let me let me lawyer up real quick. Um, this was a question that I had while I was writing this story out. Did I just become an accessory before the fact? You've heard of an accessory after the fact, but what about an accessory before the fact? That's a real thing, right? And that's a good question. And I do think that it's worth examining because I'm sure you're probably in your mind thinking. Wow, these people had weapons. These people were talking about committing a crime. Why didn't you stop them? Um, should I have maybe called the police and just said, hey, I dropped off these two tweakers and they're possibly planning to commit a crime? Maybe. Maybe. But here's why I didn't and here's why I wouldn't. First and foremost, it comes down to safety. The most important thing for any of you sitting on the sidelines wanting to preach to me about the letter of the law and reading in your imaginary little life handbook where in the chapter for this it says, here's what you fucking do, cool, okay, I get it. But this is the real world. So if I go out of my way and snitch on these people, and it's it's not like they'd have to think hard about who sold them out and be like, oh, we literally just confessed what we were talking about doing to this one guy. Well, guess what's going to happen to me? Now it's my problem. Now it is my business because I chose to get involved. And now I just made two enemies and two people that I always got to be worrying about and looking over my shoulder for, for the rest of my life. And now I just opened myself and anybody else that I might be with, like my family, friends, girlfriend, other riders, now I just opened us all up to somebody that wants to hurt me and has a reason to want to get back at me. You think I'm going to choose to do that? For some piece of shit that robs somebody in the first place that's about to face the consequences of that decision? You're out of your fucking mind. There's an old saying amongst us Italians, omerta, all right? So that's one. First and foremost, my personal safety I'm thinking about me and my family, and I'm like, fuck that, dude. Not my business, not my problem, okay? Secondly, I really have no way of knowing whether they were actually prepared to harm this person or whether they're full of shit. She told me we just like to scare people, and guys talk tough all the time. So I I really have no way of knowing whether there was actually crimes or assaults that were 
being committed later, right? I have no way of knowing if they ever even made it to the house that they were looking for. I dropped them off on the street. They're high on meth. They look pretty turned around trying to find it, dude, okay? And that brings me to my third point. What happened after I drove away ain't got nothing to do with me. It's none of my business, nor is it any of my concern what happens once they're out of my car. Now, that might sound kind of harsh, but the fourth point and my final point that I'd argue is this. The person that is in question here, who may or may not have been confronted, again, I don't know, but this person is not an innocent person. If these two had been telling me that they were on their way to shoot up a school or hijack a plane or bomb a hospital or some shit where innocent people were in imminent danger, you bet your ass I would. Either by eliminating the threat myself and being a fucking hero or calling the FBI or the police or the proper authorities after the fact and saying, hey, I have information about something that I think is going to happen that I want to prevent from happening. Absolutely, I would do that. And and like I said, like the hero, like I would try to be the guy, I would honestly be the guy that would try taking matters into my own hands and end up losing my life in the process. Like I tried to fight the guy or something and end up getting stabbed or shot. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about some low-life fucking scumbag whose initial criminal act in robbing this dude's friend was the thing that set into motion this entire chain of events. And if we're really being honest, that guy deserves whatever the fuck he gets. You know why? That's life. That guy's a grown man. He made a series of decisions. He chose to rob somebody. He chose his associates and who he pals around with. He chooses the things that they do together. And he chose everything that goes with that life. The drugs, the schemes, the bullshit. And that's his life. He's free to do whatever he wants with it. And as long as it doesn't infringe on me, knock yourself out, buddy. But just know when you play that game, it comes with some severe consequences, some really real consequences. And that's the G-code, dude. You choose to play that game. You choose to get down and get into that game. You're choosing to accept anything and everything that comes with it. And when you rob somebody, you know that shit is going to come back around. Somebody always has a friend, a brother, a son, a nephew. And when you rob somebody that you fucking live with and you make a spectacle out of it and you embarrass somebody, what did you think was going to happen? They were just going to turn the other cheek and forget about it? That's not how it works, man. That's not how it works. So... That is what I would offer to you or anybody that wants to question, why did you not, you know, do do more or or, or say something or, or call? You know what? Hey, I'm just the fucking conduit. I am literally just the person taking them from A to B. I don't know what they do after they get out of my car. Um, and honestly, I don't want to fucking get involved with it because it, 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 it has nothing to do with me. And am I worried about telling this story? No, not at all. Because I straight up told them, like, this is a great story. And the shit that, like, I will not use your guys' names or any way that people could identify you. But this is going to go on the podcast. They didn't give a fuck. They're like, you know, what? what is it to them? Like, they, they, like, you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, no, I'm not worried about that. And, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be either. But, oh, my God, that was that was the most insane 
ride that I've ever had. And like a, a few times, I, I know that I've been on drug runs. Like I have picked somebody up that is going to pick up from their dealer. They go into this house and I take them straight back. And I just I just know what's going on because I'm not stupid. You know what I mean? Um, and it's probably happened three or four times. And I, I don't say anything. I don't call them out because you know I don't want to know, to be honest with you. If, if, if that's what they're doing and then they get back in my car, I don't want to know. And plausible deniability in that case and that situation is everything to me. You know, I don't fucking know, right? And I don't want to know. So don't don't tell me, okay? Uh, and these people talking about doing this shit, it's like, look, fine, okay, you're you're talking about, but you're also high. Like, I I don't know if I can accept and trust what you're saying to me. So, look, man, for all of those reasons, I I just I just was like, and again. If if none of that makes sense to you, here's something that should my safety. Okay, I'm not gonna blow my fucking cover in the car and have somebody potentially tweak out on me or try to track me down or some shit like. Uh uh-uh. uh, no 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 no. Fuck that. I don't snitch. I don't snitch. And you know what? That's the G code, my friends. Let's stay together. <laughs> Little Al Green, baby. A lot of times when I pick up riders. I get a lot of solo writers, and if I'm asking them questions, then it's mostly just stuff about them, you know, um, them personally, like, hey, you know, do you have kids, do you have family, blah, 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 but um, I ask them questions about them personally, but when I pick up groups of friends or couples, a lot of times those conversations, I'm going to focus on, like, their specific relationship, and I'll ask them stuff that's going to get both of them talking and responding instead of just honing in on one person and kind of having the other feel alienated or not part of that conversation. So I ask stuff like, what's the key to a good marriage, to being a good partner? What do you like to do to keep things fresh? What advice would you give to other married couples? If it's somebody that's married, right? And in this story, they are married. Um, and, And I do that because if you ask questions like that, if you ask 10 people those type of questions, you're gonna get 10 different responses, and some really great perspective, and probably some really great stories, because everyone has a why, and that why is what drives that story. That why is what's at the root of their response. Why do you believe that? What makes you say that? What experience or experiences have made you feel so strongly that this is the first thing that comes to you? Where does that come from? Usually, there's a pretty good story within somewhere in there, right? And those are the stories that I want because they're either usually pretty funny, pretty scary, or pretty heavy. And this one's pretty heavy. So I pick up this couple who were on a little date weekend. They were from Indiana, and they said that they came to Louisville a few times a year just to do a little weekend getaway, stay in a hotel room, go out to eat. And, um, you know, Maddie and I did this when we went to Indianapolis. So I to- I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I-, I totally get that, you know. Somewhere that you can drive, it'll take like an hour or two. You can just go and kind of be yourselves and-, and then, you know, those are fun. So I was picking them up from their hotel and I was taking them all the way out to the book in southern Indiana, which is a stroke after you cross the bridge and you got to bend all the way down the river So I've got like, you know, a 20, 25 minute ride and things got pretty real. They said that they had been married for 34 years and I said, congratulations, that's awesome. They said, yeah, we're close to retirement. We've both put in about 30 years into our careers and they asked me about what I did and I told them and they said, wow, wow, well, I wish we could give you a story, but 
I don't think we drank enough. <laughs> people always people always assume that the Uber stories thing is going to be just a bunch of drunk people. I really don't even get that many because I'm not driving like a bunch of like uh like Saturday nights and because people aren't really going to the bars like they did, you know, maybe a year ago or, or two years ago at this point, I guess. Um I don't I don't really get that many like drunk wasted people. Um, driving in the daytime, you know, I usually get people who are on the, on their way to or from work or I just, it's, it's, it's random, but everybody always assumes that everybody's just wasted. And I'm like, no, it's like, that's like maybe 5% of the rides that I give. Anyway, um, <laughs> I said, well, how about the toughest thing that you've ever had to overcome as a married couple? Has there ever been a point in your relationship where you thought we're ready to call it quits and how did you get over that, if you've had that moment? Wow. Oh, wow, she says. He said, early on, yeah. She said, pretty much weekly. <laughs> That's a hard one because you have those all the time. He said, yeah, let's put it this way. She's been better than I have. She's had to put up with me. And she said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, if you love the person, you stick with them no matter what. There's always going to be ups and downs. You can't find somebody that you're not going to have ups and downs with. What's the worst thing we've had to overcome? He said, I don't know, probably the miscarriage. Yeah, we had a miscarriage. That was tough. How long were you carrying it? 14 weeks, so not super long, but a full term, and it still hurts. He said, so we didn't think we could have kids again, and we had a son that's doing amazing. So she said, yeah, we have a daughter who's 32 and a son who's 25. I said, awesome. He said, but the, the son, we didn't think we were going to have him. She said, yeah, I, I always think of him as God rewarding us because we stuck together and went through tough times together, and God was like, all right, well, here's this guy because you toughed it out. And he says, and the doctor scared the hell out of us because he said, well, had it lived, it would have been confined to a wheelchair and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, well, so what, man? I see people dealing with that stuff all the time. So give me the challenge. I would have just taken it. And just to have that person in our lives, I don't know, right? And he looked at her and she said, yeah, but maybe God didn't think that that person needed it. And maybe it wasn't God didn't think that we needed it. It was that that person didn't. And he said, but I feel like we were challenged at that point whether we should have kids or not. Was that your first time? No, our second. We had a daughter and she was three when the miscarriage happened. So then we went three and a half more years and then we had our son. Were you trying the whole time? No, honestly, we, we thought we would never have another one. Uh, we didn't want another one because of that. We were scared to have another one. And he says, so it just goes to show you don't give up on family because now... We're sitting here at the end of our careers, and we wish we would have had more kids. And she said, oh, yeah, we definitely wish we had more. And I said, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Oh, man. And I asked, well, what were those weeks like following the miscarriage? What did those look like? Did you get out of bed? She said, it was so long ago, and I was pretty sick. And, uh, I mean, I didn't, we didn't. Okay, so I went in just for a regular checkup, 
And he said, it's funny you ask because we just talked about this a couple weeks ago. And she said, we did, we did. We, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago. And we brought it up and we hadn't talked about it in a long time. I said, see, I just go right in, you know. And they said, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. Uh, and he says, I just told her, I just feel like even though that child was a miscarriage, we didn't do that child justice because there was no closure. They just kind of took it from us, and it was like, what happened? She said, yeah, I didn't have any idea that anything was wrong because it was only 14 weeks, and I had just barely started seeing it move, and I didn't think anything of it, you know? And when I went in for my regular checkup, they tried to find a heartbeat, and uh, they, uh, the nurse didn't say anything much to me. She just said I needed to go to the doctor. And so the doctor comes in, and he tries to find the heartbeat, Still, he really didn't say a whole lot at first. And then he was like, well, we don't see a heartbeat. We're not finding a heartbeat. So we're going to send you over for a few more tests. And I was all by myself because this was just a regular monthly checkup. I said, yeah, you weren't expecting this at all. She said, no, no, no. So they do more intense ultrasound type thing. And then they said, well, there's no heartbeat and the baby is no longer living. They said, you can either wait it out and eventually you'll miscarry and everything will happen on its own or you can go into the hospital and we'll make things happen. I said, is that a C-section? No, it was more of a, they put me into labor, you know, they put me into labor type thing and I was working full time and I didn't want to be sitting at work and then all of a sudden things start happening. So we wait a couple weeks and I said, you know, I think I'd just rather go ahead and have you do whatever you need to do and go ahead and finish this process. And I said, well, it probably ended up being better in the long run because imagine how much more attached you would have continued to get if you let it reach, you know, full development. And he said, yeah. And she said, yeah, that's what I thought too. So we went into the hospital and, and they did the whole thing of making me go through labor and contractions and I gave birth to a stillborn. And he, he leans up in his seat and he says, but the crazy thing is, after we had our son, when she was pregnant with our son, she fell down the steps one day and hit her head on the floorboard and it almost knocked her clean out, but it did not affect him at all. And then she was coming home from work and fell asleep at the wheel and hit a tree and he, you know, nothing happened. It's, it's crazy, man. And she goes, I think it's... And I don't know how much you believe in God or whatever, but I think it's pretty much in his hands a little bit. You know, it's there's a higher spirit somewhere taking care of things. And I told them I'm very spiritual, and I do think that there's something that connects us all. And I struggle with it because I was raised Catholic, and then after my parents got divorced, I was kind of like, this is all bullshit. And she goes, yeah, 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 as I'm saying that. And uh, I said, but I, I don't, I, I definitely do believe in some kind of a higher being. And she said, I do too. And I said, and I believe that we're all connected and that something else that I think about too is sometimes you meet people and you just know that they are evil. Yeah, he says. And she said, that is so true. I said, they are just fucking evil. And so if there's those people out there walking around the earth, there has to be something to balance that out. And he said, exactly. And she goes, I think so too. You are on it. He said, you are spot on, man. 
I can see why you host a podcast. <laughs> hey, you know? Um, and you know, it, it was funny. I, I had two conversations this week. One, um, you know, we got into religion here and, and spent a little bit more time talking about religion. We still had like maybe, you know, another five or seven minutes in the car. So that was a good ride. Uh, good conversation. Really tough thing to have to overcome as a married couple. My God. But uh, I'm glad that they pushed through and, and look at them now, you know. Now they've almost made it to the end of the, the game of life where you retire into uh, Millionaire's Row or Sunny Acres and you did it. You did it, my friends, okay. But, um, you know, when people, I, I had another conversation with somebody and we, we spoke about politics. And I don't get, when people say I don't speak politics or religion, okay, what they're really saying is, Please don't make me think about and re-examine the beliefs in which I'll stubbornly hold all my life. Or they're what they're really saying also is, I don't trust myself to have an adult conversation and keep my cool about things that I feel strongly about. Okay? Because when people say, I don't talk politics or religion, that's exactly what they mean. It's like, you're not going to change my mind, so don't waste my time and, and don't piss me off. Because if you start making me think about this stuff, and I have to defend it, and maybe I don't really want to go down that road because I, I, I haven't had to defend it in a long time, and my argument's not that sharp, or, or like, whatever, you know? Like, I think people do that. I think that politics and religion are, they're, they're, they're big beliefs, and they're not just beliefs, that's an identity, you know? I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Jew, I'm, I'm a Muslim. Like, that is an identity, and politics, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm, I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative. That is an identity. And so when you start talking about um, an identity, like how somebody presents themselves and the beliefs in which they hold about themselves, and it's these big overarching things like politics and religion, a lot of times people don't want to talk about that stuff because they're like, please don't, please don't fucking make me do this, you know? Now, some people love talking about that stuff, and, and that's fine. And, uh, but I, I just think, you know, when, when somebody says, oh, I don't, I don't speak politics or religion, they either just don't trust themselves that they're going to be able to have a civil conversation or listen to somebody or listen to other views and opinions that differ from theirs, um, or they're just saying, please don't make me think about this stuff because I don't want to reexamine this stuff. This is who I am. This is how I'm going to die. And that's, that's cool with me. So, uh, but you know what? I, I, there's nothing off limits that, that, that I, that I won't talk about with my writers. Uh, I mean, there's not, because if it's going to go there, it's like, okay, fine. Like, let's talk about it. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not scared to do that. And I think even if you disagree with somebody, there's just a way to go about it. You know what I mean? Like, like it doesn't have to be, you're wrong, I'm right, let's fight. Like, it can just be, okay, cool, you you think that, um, I disagree, and that's cool too, you know? So, have a nice life, you know? It's, it's as simple as that, but uh, that was a good ride, and uh, I'm glad they stayed together. Key to life. Here's another story about an open-ended question that led to some real talk and the perceived notions that we have about people. We'll call this guy James because he said he loves Metallica and that's the name of their lead singer, so we'll just call him James. What's up, James? How are you? Oh, I've had better days. What's going on? Uh, I left work this morning without my house keys, 
one of the rare occasions I left before my wife, so I didn't have to lock the door, so I didn't realize I didn't have my keys until about 20 minutes ago. So now we're going to see wifey at work so I can grab her house keys and I can come right back. <laughs> he said, ah, oh, good times, man. I said, well, hey, you know what? There's a lot worse things that could be happening today. He said, oh, absolutely. If that's the worst thing that happened to me today, I guess it's really not that bad. I said, yeah, still a pain in the ass, but yeah, yeah. He said that he had been working as a receiving clerk at a warehouse, so he's kind of indoors, kind of outdoors, and it had been raining all day, so it's raining on this dude um, off and on, right? And it was a really cold day last week, so my man could not wait to get home from work and get warmed up and do whatever he does, and then, bam, he's locked out of his house. So he's got to take a you know, 50-minute round Uber trip to get his wife's keys from work and go back. And my man just wants to relax. I'm like, damn, that's... Yeah, that, that, that sucks, man. So we drive like the 20 or 25 minutes to where his wife worked, and we talked about what they both did, how they met, where he was from. He lived near Churchill Downs, so we talked about some stories from that and how it's become much more of an exclusive event versus an event for everybody and how the locals who live in the area feel like they've been pushed out. He said it used to feel like this giant block party, and it was fun to compete with the neighbors getting people to park in their yard, but... Now, he said, traffic flows have been redirected because, as he put it, (laughs) we all know that Churchill Downs is in the middle of the ghetto. And since it's become this mega million dollar event, Louisville doesn't want those people who are flying in to wander too far from Churchill Downs and see some of those surrounding areas. Yeah, that's a good point. We talked about people starting to get priced out of the area, and I talked about how the same thing happened in the Bay Area. And uh, how now Oakland has become like the cheapest place to live. But because of that, Oakland was always a little bit rougher. And Oakland is kind of like, you know, when I moved out to the Bay, people were like, do not, do not fucking go to Oakland. And I was like, what's the, they were like, listen, just don't do it, dude. I was like, okay. Um, And I only went there like a couple times, you know what I mean? Um, But it was, uh, yeah, it's just something that's happening here, too. The people that live down near Churchill Downs, like, at some point, I would think that there, there's probably going to be, like, all those houses get bought up, and they build, why wouldn't they build nice apartments that they could just rent out to people who wanted to come and stay right next to Churchill Downs, instead of staying at one of those hotels down there, you know what I mean? Like, I th- I that would make sense, and because of the industry, and because that's our little, like, Super Bowl Shit like that happens, and he and he was totally like, I get it, I get why, you know, I guess it's good for the city, all that money coming in, but it's just, that's part of it, is like, people who have lived there their entire lives and done the parking in the grass thing, um, and made money off of that, you know, that's, that's kind of going away, and uh, by this point, we get to his wife's work, and he runs in, and then he comes out a few minutes later, and then we head back to his house. And we're about like five minutes into the ride back. And then he starts asking me some questions. Is this all I do, etc.? I tell him about the podcast and we're talking about that. And he gives me one of the best compliments that I can ever hope to receive. He says, well, I can definitely tell you can hold a conversation. And for me, somebody that has social anxiety issues, like when I get in an Uber, if I can sit here and have a conversation, I'm so much more comfortable. <laughs> I really am, he said, than just sitting there in awkward silence. And I'm like, uh, 
Do I stink or something? What is this guy thinking of me right now? Oh my God. And I was just laughing like, thank you, man. And he said, but if you want something cool you can mention on your podcast, you could mention that you gave a, a guy a ride tonight who plays bass in a local band called Falls City Freeloaders. We're a cover band and we focus on 90s and early 2000s hard rock, grunge, alternative stuff. We dabble into a little heavy metal, but we mainly stay accessible to the general public. Play the hits, right? Exactly. So I asked him some questions about that and the band's origin story and when they started jamming together, where they play, how COVID has impacted them. And after a couple minutes, I shifted gears and said, all right, so I'll open this up and you can answer it however you want. What are some of your core beliefs about life? What have you learned about people or about your strength in situations where you've kind of had to bootstrap it? What have you learned about yourself through that? He said, God. I'd say one thing about people, man, is you should certainly give everybody a chance. The biggest thing I've learned about life that you got to give people a chance. Everybody deserves a chance, always. No matter what preconceived notion you've got, what you think when you see somebody, always give everybody a chance. You know, I always try to base my interactions with people with not how they present themselves so much physically, but how they behave themselves. You know what I mean? And I just like to give everybody their opportunity to do things their way. And as long as it works, I'm one of those guys where I don't care how something's done. As long as it ends up with the correct result, I'm cool with it. And I'm cool with that. I, I really am. The key to life. I like that one. Um, kind of same thing. You know, you ask somebody a question like that, it's going to get 10 different responses from 10 different people. And I really like that one because it, it's it's true. You know, I, I do believe you have to be willing to give people a chance and if they fuck up, then fine. You know, they they burn their opportunity with you. But you can't treat every relationship and every time you're meeting somebody and they're basically starting with an O2 count. You know, like you have to let them kind of do what they're going to do and see what they're going to do. And people will shock you. And and it's funny is, um, you know, the thing he said about the having preconceived notions about people, look, we all do it. We all make snap judgments about people. And I, I think it was really good for me working as a waiter. When I was in in college, I worked as a waiter a couple summers. And I remember thinking, um, and I, I remember always being surprised, right? Because if you're trying to figure out who's going to tip you, you have no idea, okay? People shocked me all the time. And even now, even now with tipping, people people surprise me, right? Because the people that I talk to that 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 um you know me or you or somebody might think oh that problem that person might not have a lot of money or that person doesn't have a lot of money extra money to just kind of throw around and flaunt right the the stuff that they just talked about sounds like they're kind of in a tough position right now so they might not be the person that ends up leaving a five or a ten dollar tip but a lot of times those people are and a lot of times the people that you see walk into a restaurant or uh you know are in the back of my car and, and they're talking about all the money that they have and they're trying to be this big shot and project it they don't leave anything 
And it's like, oh, wait, I thought you were so rich, you can't even fucking throw me a buck? You know, what is that? So uh, I, I see it through that kind of lens. Uh, and if you've ever worked as a waiter or a server or something like that or a bartender, like you probably know too. It's like you probably have somebody pegged and you think you do and they shock you all the time, right? And And even now, you know, some of the most depth uh, and insightful questions that I've ever and and answers that I've ever gotten from people or people that uh, you know you might not think would 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 uh, have an answer like that or the guy downtown that was like hey, man I got a 160 IQ like I I, I could have been you know a fucking chemical engineer if I, if I wouldn't have been born where I was and kind of got caught up in the shit that I did you know it's like yeah well I can see that so always give people a chance, man. Bottom line, that is one of the keys to life. America's backbone. Let me start off first by saying this, okay? This is where we're going to start this one. It's bullshit that teachers get paid what they do. We trust these people to mold and shape the future and teach our future of this country by and, and, and during their most impressionable, impactful years in terms of their development as human beings and functioning adults in society. And it's bullshit that we don't pay teachers more for doing that for our children, okay? Okay, so... Now, let me get off my soapbox here, okay? I scoop up a young couple, and they're headed to dinner. Hey, guys, how's your week? Well, it's Friday, so he says, what do you guys do for work? Well, I'm a nurse, and he's a teacher, she says. Wow, you guys are literally the backbone of America. And we all laughed, and she said, thank you. Yeah, he said, thank you, thank you. Well, it's easy to say right now, I'm not in person, so... And I said, so do you like being on NTI or would you rather be in the classroom? And he said, uh, I, I work at the School of the Blind, so I hate it. The NTI, that is. How do... Wow, so yeah, how do blind kids learn when they're distance? Uh, not very well. And I'm also the gym teacher, and at first it was like, Okay, we'll be back in November. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to try and do as much easy stuff as I can and not really get into teaching really hard material. But then it was January, and that really extinguished everything. So now I'm like trying to teach kindergartners how to hop through a computer. It's it's crazy. How big are the class sizes? So we have 75 kids at the school total, and we have 17 kids in elementary so I have a kindergarten class, that's like six, and then they put the other three or four grades together basically, and then I see each middle school group, and there's like about six in sixth, seventh, and eighth each, and then high school, there's about 25, nine to 12, and we have three or four who are going to be with us until they're 21, so it's interesting. So I said, so who's had it worse between the two of you? Her, he says immediately. She said, oh. I said, what kind of nurse are you? She said, so we moved down here at the beginning of July, and before that, I was in the hospital in New York, western New York. So when I was at the hospital, I definitely had it worse because New York got hit really bad with COVID patients initially. And then we moved down here, and now I'm doing home health. So it's much more chill. I work Monday to Friday, 8 to 5, and I'm on call on the weekends and holidays, but it's much better. When I was at the hospital, 
I was just running like it, it was crazy. So I feel like in general, I've had it worse than he has. But when he goes back, I think I'll probably have it better than he has. But he says, yeah, we're supposed to go back March 1st. I said, isn't that like two months from the end of the school year? And he said, oh, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're going to be there for three weeks. And then we have a week for spring break off. And like, yeah, we're going to see how that goes. So that was a really quick one. Um, and, I, and I just teachers have had it rough, man. Uh, but, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, it's like, wow, you, you teach blind kids. How have you guys dealt? Because regular teachers, like that's a tough thing to do to teach kids from a distance already. And I wished I would have asked more specific follow-ups to that, like what's the curriculum like and how do they learn best and stuff like that. What kind of activities or exercises are you doing in your classroom? But it was such a quick ride. It really was. That's why it's a quick story too. Um, I just thought this was interesting because it's like something that I've never thought of before. And it made me go, huh, that would be a challenge. Like as a teacher during this time, sure, yeah, that's hard enough. But add in that the kids that you're teaching are blind, that's got to be really tough. And I can't even imagine what it must have been like working in a New York hospital at the beginning and at the height of COVID. Even now, I'm sure it's crazy. Any New York hospital. But I have a lot of respect for those people because, like I said, teachers, nurses, cops, construction workers, they are literally the backbone of America. So thank you for all that you do. How we met. So... I always like to end on a positive note, on a feel-good note, and this is a feel-good story. Um, two women come in, and they get in the car, and we start rolling. I said, what do you guys do for work? Uh, one woman, we'll call her Ava, says, I own a barbershop, and the other says, and I'm an electrician, and we'll call her Mia, okay? What do you do other than Uber? I host a podcast. Nice. What kind of podcast? It's called Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. I'm Ben Tompkins. How you doing? That's kind of my little bit when people ask. It's like, hey, you know, Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And it's all about the people that I meet driving for Uber. Nice. So it's kind of like taxi cab confessions. Yeah, it's like uh, I tell people it's like taxi cab confessions meets Dr. Phil meets Tucker Max. And I did the about me bit and uh, I said, so if you guys give me a story, It'll probably be on next week's episode. Well, they laugh and Ava says, I think our most interesting story would be how we met. Okay. Okay, so... (laughs) And they look at each other and they laugh. I go, how'd you meet? Mia says, okay, so she's recently divorced. Congratulations, I say. Thank you, thank you. And um, her ex-husband's aunt and my mom are childhood best friends. So my mom tells me almost three years ago now, hey, do you want to go drive up with me to New York and meet my best friend, Beth? We'll pick up our other best friend on the way. She said it's this big bash they do in the summer. There's going to be bands there. There's going to be lots of alcohol. And she's gay, so I was like, cool, sugar mama lesbians, I'm driving you, let's go. So I drive them up there, it's like 700 miles away, and I walk into this cabin and I meet her. And we just lock eyes instantly. And we were done right there. Ava says, the chemistry was crazy. Wow, I said, wow. So I meet her up there and I find out that she only lives an hour from me. So we're 700 miles away in New York, but really we're only an hour away from each other. 
holy shit, that's awesome, I said. Mia says, yeah, so we met up there, and her ex-husband was really pushing us to hang out more, and, you know, all the other stuff men do, yeah, <laughs> Ava says, and then, uh, uh, you know, um, and then Ava picks up from there and says, and the very next weekend, he schedules a rendezvous for the three of us to get together, and <laughs> she's kind of laughing, and Mia says, unbeknownst to him, it didn't work out the way that he planned, and he was left out, and he sat at Waffle House all by himself. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, shit, okay, oh, my God. So he, We're talking about a threesome here, okay, okay. And uh, Mia says, so we like to joke and say that he was getting smothered and covered while we were smothering and covering each other. <laughs> Holy shit, I said. So yeah, we're all laughing, and uh, she said, we went through like a year and a half of just back and forth. She's got two kids, and he's not a great person. He's a very abusive alcoholic, so it took a lot for her to leave. I said, mm, good for you, good for you. Yeah, so she finally did it, and finally, like two days before we met, two years later, the divorce was final, the papers were in hand, and the very next day, she proposed to me. And then I proposed to her, and we are in the process. The gods worked out in our favor or whatever because I looked for a house to buy and move into this city in Kentucky because my dad owns his own electrical business there. So I was going to stay down there, and I never could find anything. And then everything just worked out. I got a loan in hand. We got a big house being built on us for 30 acres of land in the city. And we're going to move out there and she's going to sell her business or do whatever. And we're just going to reestablish down there and live the simple life. Just everything that we've always wanted, everything we've ever thought of, just drink bourbon on the back porch and watch the sunset. I said, all right, that is an excellent story. Way better than I thought in my head when you guys were like, oh, I guess we could talk about how we met. And I was like, oh, they're probably just going to tell me some sappy friend story, right? Because I, I didn't know that they were gay. And I said, this is way better. So who approached who, I ask? Ava said, well, I made the first move. I said, okay, do you remember what you said? Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely, she remembers. All right, what'd you say? Ava says, so we walk into this A-frame house and we lock eyes. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm overdressed. Because I was in a dress and she was in like shorts and a t-shirt so I change into some jeans and a cute top and I go find her and she's in the backyard sitting at a chair next to her mom listening to a band and I walk up and I'm like, so is this where the cool kids sit? Mia says, that was her pickup line. Is this where the cool kids sit? So that's been the joke. Like, eh, yeah, I guess, right? So then we moved later in the night and there was a fire out back. So I grabbed her chair and I took it all the way down there with me so I could find her again and have her sit there with me. <laughs> and I made her. There's a video of her. She's doing my s'more. And my mom and her best friend are like, are you really making her do this? And I was like, damn straight, she's roasting my marshmallow. So she's just like, how do you want it? And I was like, I'll take it any way you got it. And it just went on like that from there all night long. I said, wow, that's a baller move. That's a player move right there to move her chair so she has to come to you. Yep, that's right. Wow. So, and and you're still married at that point, right? 
yeah, this is almost three years ago. I was married up until July of last year. And Mia says, I've stuck it out for the last two years of being told to leave and I'd leave and then come back and leave and come back. And I just knew, I just knew something, something was gonna, I don't know, I just knew it. So, and I ask now, have you always identified as bisexual or were you openly gay at that point? Ava says, me or her? Mia says, I'm openly gay. Ava says, yeah, she's been out for like, what, 16, 17 years now? Yeah. I said, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Ava says, um, I've always enjoyed the company of women, except I grew up in a little town in Texas where my stepfather was very racist and not the nicest person. And I knew from a very young age that this was the person that I was. But unfortunately, because of how I was raised, I did what I was expected to do. And that was marry a man and have a family. And I don't know, just when I met her, she awakened a fire inside me that I didn't know was there. That's awesome. I love that. How liberating was that for you when you were finally able to just be like, oh my God, there was such a weight lifted off me. It was fantastic. So good. That that makes me feel good, you know? That's a good one to end on. That's a positive story. They were super excited talking about it, you know? They got a wedding coming up at some point. It's a love story. It's got some savage in there. The dude, the fucking the smothered and covered thing had me rolling. We were la- I, I mean, that was awesome. And just thinking about the guy sitting alone in a Waffle House, like the SpongeBob gif with his, you know, he's, he's like sitting there with his hands crossed inside of a diner and the coffee is sitting there and there's some like steam billowing up and he's just thousand yards staring at the table and he just looks like, fuck, like what is life, right? And I, I can just imagine that guy sitting there like, not how I envisioned this one. And you know what, my friend? Be careful what you wish for because he's like, hey, let's all get down. And then Mrs. Steal Your Bitch over here scoops his wife up like a ground ball. Now they're getting married. What a story, man. What a story. All right. That is it for me. Please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. Leave me a rating and a review. Leave me a little comment. I like to read those on air. I am on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at BennyTomp18. Follow along. I just made this TikTok account, so I've got exclusive content that I'm not sharing anywhere else. That's on TikTok, uh, Twitter, and Instagram for the day-to-day stuff. And uh, please like the page on Facebook at RealTalkWBennyT. That's where I share all that stuff there. Um, and any of the writers, uh, you listening, I gave out a lot of cards this week. So if you're a writer, uh, you can write on the, write in the group, you know, write on, write on the story and on the page, like, Hey, this was me. That was really cool. Like whatever you want to say, um, that's open to you as well. So guys, that is it. I'll be back next Wednesday, Uber stories, part 23. I can't wait. I am Ben Tompkins. That's real talk.